Good morning, everybody. Welcome to everyone in the room and everyone joining us online. I know we got a larger online crowd lately these days because of some of the quarantines happening and stuff and people just feeling more comfortable at home. So we welcome you as well. A lot of what I talk through today will apply to people in the room, but um, much can happen on the website as well if you are online and uh, wondering how to connect. But let's just talk through some things today. First of all, my name is Meredith. My husband, Claude, and I are the lead pastors of Centerway, and we love you and we love this church so very much. So we're thrilled to be here with you today. Um, just a couple of things. If you want to share your information with us, whether it's because it's your first time um, or because you have uh, information to update, you can do that on the info card that you can find at the info center. Um, and you can turn that in at the offering box at the back. We would love to get any of your info updated. We have a lot of cool things coming up um, into this Christmas season. And so um, you don't want to miss any of that if you're not on our email list or whatever. That would be a great way to do that. Um, again, just a really special welcome to our guests in the room. We're so thankful to have you with us. We know it's uh, maybe a little um, unsettling to visit a new place for the first time, but we're thankful to have you here, even if you're joining us online. Um, there's another way that you can update your information with us, and that's through an app that we use. It's called YouVersion or the Bible app. Uh, the great thing about that is you can update your information, but you can also connect with the message. You can take notes on there. Um, this, there's instructions on the screen how to get that. Um, you can also give on that app. And speaking of giving, um, you can give via the website or in the offering box in the back if you would like to do that and feel so led. Um, some other ways that you can connect and engage throughout the week are by using wallpapers that remind you of what the application is. Uh, you can connect with our social media. And uh, we have a Spotify playlist. And one quick note about the Spotify playlist. We just wrapped up um, our series, our Within Walking Distance series last week. And today is kind of like a standalone message for uh, One Day to Feed the World, which I'll talk about in a minute. So the songs that we do today, we're going to add to that Within Walking Distance playlist for those of you that will be looking for that. Another way to connect is through our Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that our team curates. And so uh, that's just a great way to go deeper into the text. And you can also visit the messages page and the next steps page um, in order to, to find most of the resources that I just talked about. If you have questions, if you have feedback, if you have ideas, if you need prayer, um, the best way to contact us is through connect at centerwaychurch.com. That's our email that you'll want to use. And you can also take next steps throughout the week. It doesn't have to just be here on a Sunday, although we do have a next, next, next steps table back there that somebody will be at. Um, but you can serve, you can sign up to serve, which is just a great way to connect with people and it's really fun. Um, but it's also a great way to kind of grow in your faith. You can be spiritually coached, you can get water baptized, uh, check out Becoming Centerway Stewards and all of that good stuff. Um, one thing that we want to mention that we haven't mentioned from the front that some of you may have noticed is that we, when we moved to a three o'clock time frame, many of you were like, I miss drinking Centerway Blend. It's just too late in the day to, to have caffeine. Um, and for those of you who don't know, we have um, a custom blend, a Centerway Blend that we created with Glen Edith uh, Coffee Roasters here in Rochester, which has been a really cool partnership. But they um, roasted a decaf version for us. <laughs> so we just wanted to say that because some of you are walking by like longingly looking at coffee thinking, I can't have it. Well, there's decaf now. Um, and you can buy that. You can buy that to take home throughout the week, either on the website or in person. So today, I know that was a lot. Today is a very special day for us. Like I said, last week, we wrapped up 50 weeks in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. Uh, we had several different series that, that we went through last um, time was within walking distance that you may remember. Um, and so all of that is still available to you. All the devotions, all the messages, you can go back through that. If you're wondering about something at the beginning of the book, you're welcome to check that out. Um, but next week, we begin an Advent series for four weeks, and it's called Wonder. Um, we've had some preparations already happening for that. It's going to be really exciting. You won't want to miss it. So invite some friends. A lot of people are really open to coming to church at the Christmas. Christmas season, so we'd encourage you to do that. But today, 
We're in between that series and the next series, and it's a standalone. And this is our one day to feed the world uh, day. Through Convoy of Hope, it's a partner that we work with all throughout the year, women's empowerment and disaster relief and different things. But they have an initiative called One Day to Feed the World. And the idea is that we give one day's wage to change the everyday of those around us. And so, you know, if you aren't feeling led to give a day's wage, you can just give something or nothing. Um, there's no pressure here, but all everything that we take in today will go out. Um, since the very beginning, if you don't know, Centerway is a very young church. We're three years old. But since the beginning, we have dedicated a large portion of our budget to go to missions giving. And we've always just put out the opportunity for people to give because we love the idea of being generous here. This isn't about us getting your money. This is about um, kind of organizing something so that we can say, hey, these are people that we vetted and we believe in. And, we, and you can confidently send out um, your funds and be generous that way. Um, your kids are going to be involved today too. So if you're a parent here and you're like, oh, we haven't been here in a couple weeks, quarantines or whatever. I didn't know about this. Don't worry. Your kids are going to have a few quarters or something. So when they come in to participate, they can feel like they're part of it. Um, Some people just didn't know about it and or forgot. I'm a parent to forget sometimes. I don't know about you, but it happens. And so don't worry. Your kids will all get to participate and they're actually going to come in and give, which is really great. And you're going to hear more about that in a little bit. Um, we will leave the online drop down to give. If you're not prepared to give today, you can do that through our website. All throughout the way, you'll just drop it down and see Convoy of Hope or One Day to Feed the World, I think it might say. So here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. I'm going to pray, and then um, Brian is going to come up and read scripture for us. Claude's going to be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll get to respond not only through singing, but also through our giving through uh, one day. So we're really excited about that. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful that we get to gather in this place. We're grateful that even if we're gathering through a screen online or not feeling well today or whatever the case may be, God, that we know that your presence is with us and the promise of your presence is a sure thing. We know that we're not promised easy or a trial-free life or whatever that might look like, but we know that you're always going to be with us. And so for that, we rejoice today. At the start of this Thanksgiving week, we're especially mindful of the many things that we should be grateful for. And so thank you today. We're really grateful that we get to be in the same room together and to worship and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. I almost said good morning again, but good afternoon. My name is Brian, and I'm going to be reading our scripture for today. Uh, It's Luke 12, verse 13 through 21. If that's not right, somebody better let me know right away. Um, But I think that's right. Uh, You can follow along on one of the two big screens. We have two screens today, so you've got options. uh, Or in your scripture journal or uh, on the YouVersion app, which I will read from. Luke 12, verse 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So this is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Thank you, Brian. Nice sweatshirt. Matchy, matchy. 
Um, excited to, uh, to communicate today on a, a standalone message, and it's nice to have our typical um, setup up here with, uh, with two TVs and stuff. Um, some of you might be like, oh no, why did I come here today? We're going to talk about money, aren't we? Um, just relax. Uh, it'll be okay. No one's going to rob you or take anything from you that you don't uh, want. Nobody's going to manipulate you. I'm not super amped up on manipulation. Um, we're going to do a standalone, as Meredith's already mentioned, message called uh, stewardship. And so we're talking about one day, and we're talking about stewardship, which for whatever reason is not often um, a... Uh, a fun or enjoyable topic for some. Uh, I know at Centerway, uh, we definitely are very generous. Uh, it's a generous church, generous people. And um, so I'm excited to talk about this. I know some people are uncomfortable to talk about money. Um, I'm not. And so we're going to jump into it. And after the standalone, we're going to begin an Advent series uh, that's really cool. And I look forward to, to joining with you in that series next week. Uh, I want to start off with kind of a, a cool story. Um, I've had opportunities to be at different leadership conferences um, and different uh, church conferences and things like that. So I'm going to talk about some people that you may or may not know. If you're familiar in the business world, then you're going to know who they are. Uh, if you're not, then you just have to kind of bear with me or you can Google them afterwards. But I was at a, uh, I was at a conference and I had to use the restroom during one of the breaks. And I went and got in line, which is not typical for guys' bathrooms, um, but there was a line there. And so we were waiting. And uh, don't worry, there won't be any like bathroom conversation or anything like that. Creepy. <laughs> just happened to be that we're in line at, for a bathroom. And uh, I'm standing there, and all of a sudden I noticed that the guy in front of me is uh, Ken Blanchard. And so Ken Blanchard wrote a lot of leadership books, had a pretty amazing um, come to faith moment and uh, wrote a, a book called Lead Like Jesus uh, that was a phenomenal New York Times bestseller, uh, as are a lot of his resources. And so he's standing in front of me and uh, we start talking. He's a super kind guy. And so he just starts talking to me, asks what I do. And um, we're just chatting. And uh, he looks in front of him and he looks back at me and he goes, hey, watch this. He goes, you're going to love it. And he's a very demonstrative person and super entertaining. And so he goes, you're going to love this. I'm like, what's he going to do, like trip somebody or what? Um, and so he turns around. He goes, hey, hey, Jim. And in front of us, unbeknownst to me, is Jim Collins, who's the author of Good to Great and a phenomenal communicator as well, and is friends with Ken Blanchard. And so he turns around. He's like, oh, hey, Ken. And he almost looks like, oh, I'm trapped. And, uh, and he's, like, he's like, hey, I got a question for you. He goes, this is my new friend, Claude, right here. <laughs> he goes, I just, uh, I want to know, can you go over? He had just written a book uh, called Level 5 Leader. And so it was a pretty cool uh, resource and, you know, transformed and had implications in the leadership world. And so he says, can you just break down for us real quick what a level five leader looks like? <laughs> he goes, sure, Ken. He goes, but by all means, Claude, buy the book. And so we had a good laugh. And then he started talking and he goes through it. He goes, yeah. He goes, are you familiar with the historical Jesus? And Jim goes, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Now, if you've ever heard Jim talk, he's rather anal retentive individual that does a lot of study and is a data maniac, so he records everything. And so he goes, well, as detail-oriented as you are, Jim, can you real quick think about the historical life of Jesus that you know of and just compare him with the level five leadership that you've so eloquently authored about? He's like, sure can. <laughs> so he starts talking about it, and he connects all these dots, and he goes... He goes, this is incredible. This is incredible, right, Claude? Isn't this incredible? He's like, so what you're telling me is historical Jesus is probably the most profound and prof prolific level five leader of all time. He says, well, I don't like to quantify things as you know, all time and stuff. He says, but there's no question. Historical Jesus is definitely a level five leader. He goes, man, level five leaders, they're not liars, right? 
And Jim looks at him and he goes, no. He's like, wow. So what you're telling me is that when Jesus, the level five leader that he was, proclaimed to the world that he was in fact the son of God, he couldn't have been lying, could he? And Jim's like, well, I guess that's something to consider. He goes, yeah. I'm not going to bug you anymore, Jim. I mean, we're in line for the bathroom, for goodness sake. He's like, so go ahead, just think about it. And I know you will. I know it's going to drive you nuts. And someday when it wakes you up, you know my cell phone number. I'd love to talk to you about it. And then he literally just turns back to me and we just start talking. And I was like in awe. I was in awe. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, They're both brilliant people. Uh, I've read a lot of their resources. But I was in awe of the fact that I was allowed to be kind of a fly on the wall of this conversation and watch this guy just share his faith with another person unapologetically. I don't know about you, but I've been allowed to be kind of the fly on the wall in a lot of situations and environments that I had no business being in, you know? So a friend or someone invites you into a meeting and you're just sitting there, you're like, I shouldn't even be here. And they're talking about decisions that they're making. And, and I just, I learn so much when I'm allowed to kind of be a fly on the wall, if you will. And so the question I want to ask you as we move into the text today is this, why do we learn by being a fly on the wall? Why do we learn by being a fly on the wall, if you will? Why is that? I want to tell you, oftentimes when we're engaged in a conversation, we're processing how to respond. And if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the difference between listening and thinking about what you're going to respond. But oftentimes when we're in a conversation, we're thinking about how we're going to respond. We're staying kind of in our lane of thought and our knowledge, And even in this environment, when we find ourselves, whether we're watching or listening online or present in the room, we often think about, man, you know who I wish was here? Rather than what it is that maybe we feel uh, the Lord is speaking to us. But when we're able to be spectators, when we're we're allowed to kind of be a spectator of a conversation that others are having, all of a sudden our guard is down. We have no skin in the game, right? Right? We can just sit back and kind of witness what's taking place. We can be in awe of uh, Ken Blanchard's unbelievable, demonstrative, engaging personality and watch the brilliance of of Jim like a walking computer uh, spitting out data. And you just, you're allowed to kind of process the information that's being shared between them rather than processing a response because you're just a fly in the wall, for lack of a better word. The conversation in situations like that, they go to places that we don't naturally go in our frame of thought and mind. I don't know Jim well enough to have had any conversations similar to the one that Ken had. So as a result, I I got to see this journey, this progression of a conversation that I would have never been privy to. And so in those moments, those fly-in-the-wall moments, our posture is to simply learn. We just, our guard is down and we're just taking in information. And often, sometimes, but often I would say, We get clarity on what it is we actually believe by watching other people engage in a conversation rather than kind of prepare a response and or be defensive about what it is that's about to be asked us. Which defensiveness, unfortunately, happens a lot when the topic of money or possessions comes up. We get a little defensive. We get a little uncomfortable. And especially, and I'll admit it openly, especially because Christendom historically has kind of abused this. 
They've abused the way that they've manipulated people into trying to get money from them or pull on their heartstrings or um, try to guilt them into giving funds. And so as a result, we're a little burned. And, and if you're not, that's awesome. I will be one of the ones to raise my hand and say, I've been burned in the past where it's been like, oh my goodness, you're just trying to like get money from me. And so I think that's where kind of defensiveness comes up. So I want to tell you that I can't talk about biblical stewardship without talking about money and possessions. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take that posture of learning today. And here's why. Because Jesus has conversations with his disciples intentionally in front of others. All throughout scripture. Jesus is talking to his disciples while the crowd is gathering. And he's talking loud enough for the crowd to hear because they actually interject, they react. And what's happening in those moments is he's allowing the crowd to be flies on the wall of a spiritual conversation, of a teaching moment. So get this, Jesus appears to want crowds to overhear him speaking to his disciples. He welcomes them to kind of be flies on the wall. How do I know this? If we look at verse one of this chapter, that verse was not read. Um, But verse one says this, it kind of begins chapter 12. It says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, they were trampling one another. He began to say to his disciples first, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So we see a crowd that is gathering that is literally numbered in the thousands. And as they're gathering together, they're trampling one another. It seems like kind of a horrific kind of scene. But as it's happening, Jesus then turns, and it doesn't say he addresses the crowd. This is one of those moments where he speaks to his disciples and is allowing thousands of people to overhear the conversation. The way we know that is because as we move on, verses 13 through 21, which um, was read earlier a moment ago, uh, someone from the crowd actually interjects, which means the crowd is watching and witnessing this conversation, and one of them interjects, and Jesus responds to him. And then in verse 22, which we won't read today, he then speaks to his disciples again, but remains on topic as a result of what was brought up from the crowd. So we see this kind of playing out in today's text. So let's gather kind of together, put our defenses down and be flies on the wall and listen to what Jesus says to Christ followers about their possessions and money. But first, first, let me make it clear. I am not asking for your money. I am not asking for your money. And Jesus is not asking for your money, okay? That's not happening. So let's take a posture of learning and move into the text. Verse 13 of Luke 12 says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, meaning Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. (laughs) I love this. It cracks me up. Why? Because it reminds me of when I was a kid, right? Mom, dad, tell Jenny to, to share. It's mine. I mean, it's half mine. I mean, it's hers. Make me, I want some. Mom, make her, you know? It has this sense. It has this feel to it. That this guy is kind of saying, listen, make my brother share with me. Why does this guy ask Jesus to do it? Why is it that he comes to Jesus and speaks up in this moment to ask Jesus to, to make his brother share with him? Well, if we consider the culture for a moment, he calls him teacher. And teachers, known as rabbis, were often asked to apply biblical law to situations and circumstances and then make an, uh, a, an adjudication 
accordingly. So basically they would act as judge over that moment based on what biblical law is and the issues brought to them. So that would kind of be a face value conclusion, but Jesus was not part of the Sanhedrin. Although he was obviously an incredible teacher, he was not part of the official structure of society that would then be the judge over these types of things. He was not part of the Sanhedrin. So he didn't have the cultural authority to actually make his brother do anything. So why? Why do it? Why ask Jesus? Well, it's clear that this man is trying to gain something that he doesn't deserve. It's not due him. And we know that because of what I just said. If he had lawfully deserved this money, then he could then go to the Sanhedrin, make his case, and would be awarded half of the inheritance. He would get what's rightfully his. So the fact that he's not going through the proper channel is an indicator of something other. You see, what we may not all know in the room today is that 11 of the 39 parables that Jesus tells are on money and possessions. The point is this. This man has more than likely heard Jesus talk about generosity. And he comes to him and thinks, you know what? I can use Jesus to get what I want financially. He thinks he can use Jesus to get what he wants financially. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? That's the way our culture kind of approaches Jesus when it comes to this, this middle ground. When we have an acknowledgement and an awareness that, that Jesus is who he says he is, it becomes almost this bartering environment. Like, hey, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to you as long as I get in return. Uh, I, I'm going to serve you as long as when I need something, I kind of bring it up and be like, hey, hello, God, don't you owe me something here? Isn't that how this works? Like a, transi- a transaction of some sort? What can I get from God? What is it that I deserve as a result of my faithfulness? The reality is if we understand our sinful nature, what we deserve is hell. What we ultimately deserve is hell and yet God awards grace. It should be, listen, God has forgiven me of everything and so I'll live for him. Whatever he needs, whatever he wants, whatever he stirs my heart to do or to give, he's got it. Why? Because he's given me everything, the air in my lungs, the the gifts, the talents, the way he knit me together in my mother's womb. My life is yours, God. Listen, the gospel is not about prosperity. It's not about prosperity. Nowhere in scripture does it say that once you come to faith that all of a sudden you'll find money under your mattress or your pockets will be packed with cash or that you'll never have a fiscal difficulty for the rest of your life. The gospel is not about prosperity. It's actually about giving. It's about giving. Jesus gave his one and only life. It's about this this approach to say, I'm gonna give. And you know what? That's countercultural. It goes against everything that we've been raised to do and be. It goes against everything, which also should maybe be an indicator that there's something of validity in it, right? Because if it feels too close to right or good, then it's probably your flesh that's functioning. Listen, it's uncomfortable to talk about the idea of giving. Why? Because our humanity says, gather. Don't give. Gather. Get as much as you can. Why? For security. You're going to get old someday. I mean, unless you die, right? Which is what Jesus says in the text. 
Your life could be required of you tonight. I'm not going to get morbid and, you know, manipulate you into any thoughts there. I'm simply saying, let's put in perspective the reality of what's at play here. We're gathering for what? For security, for identity, for worth. You see, giving is not about money at all. It's not. It goes deeper than that. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. I want to tell you, we cannot worship God without giving our time, our talent, and our treasure. That's the mark of a Christ follower. That's what a disciple of Jesus is, is someone that gives of their time, their talent, and their treasure. They give of all of themselves. Why? Because they understand what's been given them. And all of it is on loan. It's all Jesus's anyway. And so giving is a mark of a disciple of Jesus. And that's why I really don't have discomfort talking about it because it is what it is. It's a mark of a Christ follower. If you are a Christ follower, then you give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. At Centerway, we have what we call because and therefores. We have what's called because and therefores. One of our because and therefores is generosity, and it goes like this. Because God gave us everything, we value generosity. Therefore, we are open-handed and happily go above and beyond with our time, our talent, and our treasure. We steward our spiritual gifts and serve. We are contributors, not consumers. You see, giving, it cuts through everything. It cuts through everything. It's not just about our pocketbook. Do people say pocketbook anymore? I just dated myself, right? Pocketbook. It's not about our wallet or wherever, you know, your apps that keep your cash. (laughs) Um, It cuts through everything. It cuts through every part of who we are. You see the difference between uh, philanthropy and generosity. Do you see the difference? Philanthropy is about me. I feel good when I give. To be philanthropic is is to say, listen, I see a need and I can meet it, so I'm going to give it because I feel good as a result. But generosity is a response to what we've been given. See, generosity says, listen, it's not mine anyway. It's not mine anyway. You've been generous to me, Lord, on every level, in every way. You are a good father. And so I just, I give. I give because of what's been given to me. And so I do it joyfully. So we have this guy. And he's coming to Jesus. And he's saying, listen, tell my brother to be generous. That's what he's saying. I know you're a generous guy. And you talk about generosity. Manipulate my brother into giving me half of the inheritance that I don't deserve. (laughs) And Jesus answers in verse 14. Verse 14 says this, but he said to him, Jesus said to this man, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Now, arbitrator, actually the Greek word here means divider. So what he's saying is, listen, man, listen, man, I'll tell you, here's the deal. I am not a judge and I am not a divider over you. Who made me a judge or divider over you? Jesus is saying, no, I will not do that. I will not do that. But wait, if you consider the context at face value, this entire chapter, chapter 12, this could be potentially super confusing. Because if we go down to verse 51, verse 51 of the same chapter says this, do you think, Jesus speaking, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. There's a whole section of the last part of this chapter that talks about how Jesus is the divider, how he is the divider. So what in the world is going on? Jesus says, listen, I'm not a divider. I am a divider. (laughs) What? Is he contradicting himself? No, 
then what is he exactly saying? What is he actually saying? Jesus is saying, you either choose Jesus or you choose something else. There's no middle. We hate that. As human beings, we hate it. And as Americans, we hate it even more. We want like this little gray area, the in-between. Like, can't I have Jesus like mostly? Can't I have Jesus sometimes? No, Jesus is saying you either choose him or you don't. You only have room for one God in your life. Think about that for a second. There's only one throne room in the heart of your life. And it's either Jesus or it's something or someone else. What are you giving your life to? The gospel disrupts and divides. Divides. So what is Jesus saying to this man specifically? He's saying, I can't divide your inheritance because you haven't allowed me to divide your heart. You're here with a motive. You want to gain. You want to gather. Your, your heart motive is about manipulation for the purpose of gathering, and you're missing it entirely. And so I will not be the divider of your temporal things because I came to be a divider of the eternal. Jesus didn't step into human time and space because of earthly possessions. I mean, that, that is foolish. That, that's absurd, Right? That's not why the son of God would step into humanity is just to secure some earthly possessions for you and those that follow him. In fact, if you follow Jesus and his disciples, you see a group of people that lived rather poor financially and yet extremely rich in eternal perspective. So if we see now in context Jesus, what Jesus actually says next makes perfect sense if we follow that train of thought. Verse 15 says this, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, that's what Jesus is talking about. That's why he says that in verse 15, because he's talking about something that goes way deeper than just our stuff. He's talking about heart condition. And I actually like the way the Greek literally says it. If you look at the literal Greek translation, it says this. It's a little bit difficult. Um, it wouldn't make sense, I think, or it would be more confusing in our, um, in our Bibles if it read this way. But I like the way it communicates based on what we've talked about so far. It says this. You do not exist in your possessions. That's what the Greek actually says literally. That he looks to them and says, listen, you do not exist in your possessions. I want everybody to listen, whether you're a Christ follower or someone that's not even sure that, that God exists for everyone in the room, everyone listening, I want to tell you, your life is more valuable than your bank account. Your life is more valuable than your investments. It's more valuable than even your crypto. It's more valuable than your house, your college, the team you play on, which table you're allowed to sit at, who are the cool kids, your car, all your stuff, your one and only life is more valuable than the stuff you can gather. Your joy and self-worth cannot be attached to temporal things because they will never deliver. They will never deliver. And you will run after them and you will run after them and you will get more and it will fall short again and again. Living this way causes us to try to see what we can get from God. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not here to give you things that you think you are your life, the things you think are your life. 
He's here to be the center of your life. Why would Jesus feed into the idols that we have our heart lean towards, right? He's not here to give you more stuff. He's here to require that you give him your heart and your life, to be the center of your life so that you make decisions based on his life and the way that he is leading you and guiding you. He wants your whole life so you can find true joy and ultimate freedom. And when we started uh, Centerway about three years ago, a little over three years ago now, when we had initial meetings with uh, a team of people that gathered together to help establish Centerway, I gave an illustration, and I think it was actually uh, Joe Brzezinski that, um, that participated. But I said real quick in the room, I said, hey, does anyone happen to have uh, a $50 bill? And I believe that he had one. Um, and so if anybody needs 50 bucks, Joe will give it to you. He's, that's why he didn't come today. Um, <laughs> so in either case, uh, he, he pulled out, he said, actually, I do. And I said, okay, great. I need you to give it to anybody in the room. And he said, okay. And so he handed it to someone else. And I said, all right, now you have the $50 in your hand. I want you to give it to anybody in the room and they can keep it. It's their $50. And the person was holding the $50 bill and immediately looked over at Joe. I said, well, why are you looking at Joe? And they're like, uh, because it's his money. I'm like, right, because it's his money. And so you look to him, why? That's stewardship. Stewardship is when you don't own what's in your hand. And when you don't own what's in your hand, you have to look to the person that owns it to get direction on how to distribute it. You see, don't fall into the lie that you own everything on earth. It's not the case. The things that you have in your possession are for a time. Your life could end tomorrow. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but the fact is someone else will possess your things. You are simply a steward. You're a steward. Here today and gone tomorrow. Centerway doesn't exist because of Claude Valdez or any member of the lead team. It will be here a hundred years from now, I hope and pray. And other people will be leading and I will stand before God as to how I stewarded my role for this season. You see, it's not ours. And when it's not ours, then we can't make decisions on what we do with it. We have to look to the person that owns it. Say, what do I do with this? That's stewardship. Do you see it? You can't give your money before you give your life. Because if you don't give your life, then you're going to think what's yours is yours. But if you give your life to Jesus, then everything you have is his. And so when it's time to give, you just look to him and say, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want this to go? How can, how can we bring joy and honor to you today because you've given us so much and I want to tell you something hard but true. If you struggle with giving, it's because you're still holding on to your life. If you struggle with giving, it's because you're still saying, it's mine. This is my life. I have to secure my financial freedom. I have to think about my retirement. I have to think about how I'm going to take care of me. I'm gonna, I have to think about that. I'm going to function how? With fear. And you know what? That never ends well. Because what's meant to be a tool used by God to bless others turns into an ultimate thing and you try to gather it and gather it to try and find joy and peace in your life. He's not after your money. He's just not. He doesn't need your money. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. He goes on. Verse 16 through 21, it says this. And he, meaning Jesus, told them a parable. Here we go, saying, the land of a rich man 
produce plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample good laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Wealth is not bad. It's not bad. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about the things you have, the things that you enjoy. I'm really not. Wealth is not a bad thing unless, unless we gather and store it as if this world is all there is. Think about that for a second. Enjoy the money that you have. Enjoy it and buy the things you want. And don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm talking about having it in its proper place. Because you can get into the pursuit of wealth to the point that you gather and you store it as if this world is all there is. And if you live like that, you'll be a slave to your money, the money that you pursue. And your work will become an idol. And your heart will harden towards the people in need. Because you'll think, you know what? Maybe they need to just get a job. But you don't know the narrative of their life. You don't know why God's placed them strategically in your sphere of influence. Maybe it's because they've tried as hard as they can and they simply can't. Or maybe they've hit tragedy in their life. Or maybe they're in a third world nation and can't even afford to eat tonight. But it's easy for our hearts to harden when we don't allow the truth of the gospel to soften it. Say, listen, none of this is mine. I'm just a steward. And so I'm going to look at the, at the pile of money that you have given me, God, and the health that you've given me to, to pile that money there. And just tell me what you want me to do. Who do I give it to? What does it look like? So that I can rest tonight knowing that I've been on mission, that I'm a part of what it is that you're doing in this world for eternity's sake. In fact, the word of God says that if you're just gathering and living like this world is all there is, you're actually a fool because this is not about temporal life. Our temporal life is about eternity. Jesus gave his life and he died the death that you deserve. That you deserve. Your sin earned that. My sin earned that. He hung on a cross and he died a death that we deserve and he gave his life. He gave his life for even the people that were whipping him spitting on him. He died the death they deserve. And now he's saying, just live for me. Live for me so that you can find joy and freedom and life to the fullest. Now maybe giving sounds scary. And I get that. I want to challenge you to talk to one of the Centerway stewards. To one of the, the, the people that have entered into a stewardship relationship with Center Away, because here's the amazing things. Those that tithe, the stewards that, that tithe, that give of their treasure, that give of their time, that serve here, that give of their talent, that have identified their spiritual gifts and, and are motivated accordingly, they're walking in God's provision. Not his prosperity, his provision. And, and here's the deal. One of the things that, that we find as a reality is that when we come with a right heart, not a manipulative heart, but a right heart to say, God, I want to be a channel of your blessing. It's amazing how God provides so that he can channel money through us. 
you'll never want. You'll have more than you think. Ask one of the stewards. Don't take it from me. Ask them if they, when they entered into a tithing relationship with God, that if God just filled their storehouses so that they could be a channel of blessing and provision. It's because they didn't close their hand, but rather they opened it. They opened it. Stewardship. We say every week that the text requires something of us. So this is the question I want to ask you as we conclude this week. It's this, what will I begin stewarding better? And I realize that that's a poor formation of a sentence that should be, what will I begin to better steward? All right, but that doesn't sound as compelling as what I said. What will I begin stewarding better? What will I begin stewarding better? Maybe it's your life. Maybe you're in this place and you haven't crossed the line of salvation and so you're still wrestling with yourself on kind of the throne room of your life. And maybe you've experienced people taking advantage of you and you're like, listen, I'd rather just gather. I'm kind of in a season of gathering. I want to challenge you to give your life because Jesus gave his. Would you just surrender your life to him? It's not a a special prayer with specific words to pray. It's just a simple prayer that you can pray in the quietness of your mind now or if you're watching or listening later. Just a prayer that acknowledges, God, I am a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. Something along those lines that just says, listen, you're in charge. I want to steward everything that you've given me. I want to be on mission with everything you called me to do. Now use the word better there because I know that there are a lot of people in this room that are, that are already stewarding a lot. We have a very generous church, like I said, and they're stewarding their treasure. They're stewarding their time. They're stewarding their talent. They're serving. We have amazing people that make up Centerway and we reap the benefit of that every week. But I want to talk about what does it look like to steward it better? And you know what I mean? The times where it's like, a little, little hard still. <laughs> a little hard, like, what are we doing? I, I want to talk first about the potential. The easiest one is actually our treasure. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I want to tell you the easiest thing is really our treasure because you can just, you make a decision. That's it. It's just a decision. Will I tithe? Will I give of that? And I want to challenge you to, to see what it is that God will do. Now, I don't know what it looks like a, a month, two months, three months. Just enter into it. Say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe for a couple months. And, and if you're watching or listening or you're not part of Centerway and you're just visiting today, do it to the church you're a part of. I'm not trying to, to gain money for Centerway, all right? I'm simply letting you know that when you enter into a covenant relationship with the Lord and you say, you know what? I'm going to open my hands and I'm going to give you my treasure. It'll be amazing how you'll see God's provision on your life. It'll be amazing. Ask other people in the room. That we're walking in God's provision. A more difficult one is with talent. Because when it comes to, to talent, it's like, well, I can, I can kind of schedule an automatic giving or whatever. But talent, that, that requires me saying, how am I wired? What is it required of me? How do I put my hand in the circle? What is it that I'm going to do to help build the kingdom? And I know that we have a bunch of people that really contribute. And we're grateful. I'm grateful. We all benefit, like I said. But there are others of you on the sideline. Get in. Maybe today the application is to say, listen, I'm going to steward some of my talent. For others, harder still is to, to review what it looks like with our time because everything wants our time. Everything wants our time all the time. What does it look like? 
Maybe it means developing time, spiritual time with the Lord, quiet time. And so maybe you need to be spiritually coached and enter into a relationship where someone walks alongside you and develops some of those spiritual muscles. I don't pretend to know what everybody's application is, but I want to challenge you. What will I begin to steward better? And maybe you're sitting here saying, listen, I, I, give, I give above and beyond the tithe and, and I, I serve as much as I can. And anytime you need me, I'm there. Anytime Centerway needs me is what I mean. I'm there to serve and, and move the, the mission of God forward. Then I want to challenge you. What does better look like? What does it look like? Is it to be in, innovative? Like, has God given you a God idea? Is there something missional that you're like, yeah, but what about this? What if I gave a little bit extra and did this? What if I took a, a God risk in this area? What if I served in, in an area that might be outside my comfort zone or spent more time with the Lord? Today, maybe the bigger risk is to give beyond the tithe and say, listen, I've entered in a relationship to give the Lord what is his, but I'm going to give above and beyond. I'm going to give to Convoy of Hope to one day defeat the world. And as Meredith already mentioned, if you're not prepared to do that, you don't have to. You don't have to. We're not here to, to manipulate or twist your arm. You really don't. But if there's something that's stirring in your heart, I want to challenge you to consider what that would look like. And I know that you know, maybe for some of you, it might mean giving above and beyond a day's wage or, or less than, whatever but we're talking about furthering the mission in parts of the, the world that you'll never go, that you'll never step foot, but it's empowering people of the gospel to be able to provide a meal so that they have undivided attention of children in schools to empower them. I had the amazing opportunity to go to El Salvador a couple of years back and to see firsthand, to actually serve these kids meals that we paid for. And to be able to, to go and watch women's empowerment and see young girls that are marginalized in their, in their society be trained in how to farm and how to have a garden and to be able to sell that stuff and start these little businesses and to, to be a part of, of women that have began businesses as a result of our women's of empowerment initiatives that we've done. It's, just, it's incredible. And, and I can go on with lists of all the different missionaries that we support. The point is this. I just want you to consider for a moment what the Lord might be asking you to do. In fact, our kids are going to kind of lead the way. And so in a moment, one of the things that's going to happen is uh, we're going to watch a, a video. We're going to welcome them into the back of the room, and that's probably going to be loud and uh, distracting, so try not to be distracted. But they're going to come in the back of the room, and what we're going to do is uh, we're going to watch a video, and then the kids are going to join us by actually coming up as a symbol of their willingness to go and give. I'm going to have a bowl up here, and they're just going to come up, and they're going to give. And uh, I want to encourage you to like really cheer for them and encourage them as they live on mission. And um, I want to challenge you to consider what it looks like to steward better, to acknowledge, really, listen, it's all the Lord's. And so what am I doing with what's the Lord's, with what is the Lord's? Once we're done watching the video and they come up, they'll funnel out. And uh, at that time, um, a song will already be playing. The team will be up here and we'll go into a time of worship. And at that point, any time during that service, the, the box is in back. You have envelopes on your seat. If you feel compelled to give, you can uh, make the check out to Centerway. We're gonna send one large check, which is what we do every year. And um, you, can put the you can put that in the box in the back during that song, just as an act of response and worship. If you're not prepared to do that or you just always wanna do things electronically, there is a drop down um, on our website to be able to give electronically today so that you can do that seamlessly. And, um, and you'll obviously, that'll stay up, so we'll have opportunity to give throughout the week. And uh, then we'll be able to talk in the weeks to come uh, about what that total is and just kind of uh, enjoy it together. And so we're going to welcome our kids into the back as we watch this video. Let's go ahead and look at this.
Grace is just right across the street from the Citadel. Almost everyone in this community works in the trash dump, including kids. Working and having money and just filling out bags of trash, and that's all their life. So even though they have their responsibilities and there's this life that they embrace and they take as their own, they are also kids and have these desires of kids to play, to draw, to make jokes. So they have like this internal emotional battle in themselves of being an adult and being a child. They believe that they could do nothing in their lives rather than just pick up trash that they can't go to university, that they can't find a good job, that their future is for women to have lots of children and just depend on one man, and for men is just to be an alcoholic and work at a trash dump, and that's it. Until 2018, we didn't have any food at school. We started with zero. It was very hard for us because kids were always hungry. We even had one child passed out in class because she hadn't had anything to eat in more than 24 hours. I went looking for someone who could help, and I found Convoy of Hope. Now, we feed the kids every day. Because they have eaten, they are coming alive and learning. Because of the food that Convoy gives, Combined with the education we're providing, the kids can keep dreaming. It gives them a sense of security that they lack in the rest of their life. We can prove the system is wrong and that they could do something with their lives rather than just stay in poverty. We believe that every child here is a treasure and that they deserve to just be kids. God is doing something great here and His promises are coming true. For decades, Convoy of Hope has continued to impact thousands of people in communities like this through children's feeding programs, agricultural training, women's empowerment initiatives, and disaster relief. Convoy of Hope is making an enormous impact throughout the world. You can be part of this movement by joining in the One Day to Feed the World campaign. By giving one day's wages, you turn your daily work into action. Your one day transforms their every day. Thank you for supporting the mission of Convoy of Hope and bringing hope to communities around the world. Come on up, kiddos. Just proud of you.
You're so worthy of our time. You're so worthy of our attention, of our treasure, of our talent. You're worthy of it. Your goodness compels us to give because you first give it. God, you modeled that in Jesus, and we're so thankful. We just want to give it back to you, not out of obligation, but out of a generous, grateful heart. We're so thankful. So God, we just tell you once again that you're worthy. We pray that that would be instilled in our kiddos, too, that you are a worthy God. The generations that come out of Southern Way would be generous and love you deeply and serve you often whether in church or in their neighborhoods or in school, whatever that looks like, God, help us to steward that well and steward their hearts well, God. So we just commit as we go this week, especially into Thanksgiving week, that we would keep our eyes open for ways to bless those around us. That you would take all the glory and all the praise because you are so worthy. You're so worthy. Church, we're going to close out here. You're officially dismissed. You go get your kids. You go grab some coffee. Do you have coffee too? Um, but we're just going to keep singing through this song. If anybody wants to stay and just worship, if anybody needs prayer, you're welcome to stay. Um, if you want to take any next steps, pod is out of the next steps, next steps table. I can't say that today, apparently. Um, you can feel free to give today or all week long. But uh, we're so thankful to spend this time together. Have a great week, you guys. <laughs>